I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, episode 20. Whew, baby. Not only are we double digits, we are in our 20s. We are here to party. We are here to experience new things. And primarily, we're here to break free from diet culture and in doing so, smash the fucking patriarchy. Now, up top, I just want to give an announcement. If you are in the private Facebook group, I already put this announcement in there. So, you know, pause this podcast. Go ahead. Join the private Facebook group. All you have to do is go to Facebook and write in RIP Dieters in the search bar. It'll pop right up and you can request to be added and I will add you. No problem. Just promise to keep it a safe space, free from body shaming, etc. But it's a great way to keep in touch with other members of this lovely community and also to hear these announcements before anybody else, um, because as soon as I was ready to announce this, I posted it in that Facebook group. So you should absolutely join it. But if you do not know, this is the announcement. The first season of RIP Diets, which we are currently in right now, will end on November 27th. There will be five episodes after today's And then we're going to cap season one. It'll be 25 episodes. And here on out, every season is going to be 25 episodes. On November 27th, I will take a month-long break. Actually, I will take a five-week break for the holidays. And we'll be back in the new year. But during the break, I would love it if you would all keep repping RIP diets, keep spreading the word and sending the podcast to your friends who might be interested, keep sliding in my DMs and telling me what you'd like to hear on the podcast moving forward. Know that this is not the end of RIP diets. This is just the beginning. And in order for me to keep this podcast long lasting and to keep it good, I need to take breaks, which is exactly why I chose to do a seasonal show. However, if you're listening to this thinking, wait, what? How am I going to survive without RIP diets during the holidays? Emily, you know the holidays are so stressful and this podcast is the only thing keeping me sane. I know you're all thinking this. Well, guess what? You can still get a weekly episode during the off season by going to patreon.com slash RIP diets and pledging $6.99 per month. It's $6.99 per month flat fee. This will give you access to a weekly episode or vlog for the five weeks during the off season. This will also grant you access to an extra monthly episode during the on season. I don't know if that's a real word, but the opposite of the off season. So that's roughly 17 extra episodes per year that you can get 
for only $6.99 per month. Where do you get a deal like this? Please tell me. This is a great way to support me and to support this podcast and make sure that you have plenty of anti-diet content to consume during the holidays when your nosy aunt won't stop asking you when you're going to get married or if you should be putting that much whipped cream on your pumpkin pie. Again, go to patreon.com slash RIP diets and for $6.99, we can still keep in touch over the holidays and you'll be golden. This would also be a great gift for a friend if you know someone in your life who's struggling in recovery or just could use a good laugh and commiseration about body image. The rewards will go into effect as soon as this season ends on November 27th. So go to patreon.com slash RIP diets and treat yourself today. I'm really excited to do this because I feel like this will be a really good opportunity for me to get a little more personal, if that's even possible. Um, I'm really excited to try doing little vlogs and Q&As and stuff like that. I think you're really going to get a deeper look into my life and what my recovery looks like. And also you're going to get plenty of tips for how to eradicate diet culture from your life. It's going to be a party. I would love to see you guys on Patreon. But if you don't have the cash, NBD, I will be back in the new year. And now um, I want to talk about something topical from this week. A lot of you have probably seen it. Billie Eilish. I'm the bad guy. Duh. So this week, a paparazzi photo surfaced online of Billie Eilish wearing a tank top and shorts. And you can see more of her body in this picture than she usually shows. Um, anyone who follows Billie Eilish, quite honestly, I don't know how you could ignore Billie Eilish because she just swept the fucking Billboard Music Awards, her and Post Malone, which don't come for me, but I don't quite get Post Malone. Like, what is the, is it that he's a sad boy, but he's also hard or is he not hard? I, I don't, I don't know. Somebody explain Post Malone to me, but I totally get Billie Eilish. I think she's super cool, really um, interesting as a musician. But this picture, when I saw it, I did think for a moment, I thought, huh, She's she's curvier than I thought she was because she usually wears very oversized baggy clothing, which I think is very cool and hip, but you can't really see her body. And she dresses a little more androgynous than a lot of 18-year-old girls, which I, I think is very cool. But in this picture, you can see way more of her body and you can see she has curves and she has big boobs and she has a butt. All perfectly normal for an 18-year-old or... Somebody of any age, um, women have curves. I don't know why this is so shocking to people. But somebody tweeted that Billie Eilish is only 18 years old and already has a, quote, wine mom body. And this tweet kind of went viral. People were clapping back. People were defending her, which I am thrilled about. She's 18 years old. She looks perfectly healthy and normal to me, but that's not even the thing that really gets to me about this. The thing that really frosts my cookies about this is that there's nothing wrong with having curves as an 18-year-old. 
But there's also nothing wrong with being in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s and having weight on you. And there's also nothing wrong with being a mom and enjoying wine and not giving a fuck about maintaining the quote perfect body. I don't like when wine mom or mom bod is used in a derogatory way um, because it implies that somebody who's had children who works very hard as a mother and at the end of the day likes to enjoy a glass of wine is somehow inferior to somebody who doesn't or that that person lacks discipline. I think the implication is really disgusting. And I'm so glad that the public seemed to rush to her defense, but it's still really irritating to me that they haven't done the same for public figures who are a little bit older. The biggest examples that come to my mind are Adele, hello, who has been scrutinized since forever for having a curvy figure and then praised so enormously for losing weight this past year. And also Kim Kardashian, who was torn the fuck apart when she was pregnant and gained weight in pregnancy. Also very normal and nobody's fucking business. Of course, I agree that Billie Eilish's body should be allowed to grow and change without being scrutinized. And I think this can be a very painful thing for an 18-year-old to go through. But I also think that women of any age should be allowed to do the same thing. It's hypocritical to me to come to the defense of an 18-year-old, but also think that at age 30, you need to conform to the same beauty standards that you think are unhealthy for an 18-year-old. Also, I I was reading a little bit more about it because she responded to the backlash and she said herself that she started wearing her signature baggy clothes because she didn't want her body to be a topic of conversation, which is totally understandable. And I relate to that so much. I have had an aversion to showing my body and I've never felt comfortable in tight clothing because I don't want to be on display like that. And I'm not even in the public eye, not nearly on the same level as Billie Eilish. I can't imagine what that must be like. And it's so unfortunate that someone so young would know that to avoid being body shamed, she should wear clothing that's four sizes too big for her. She shouldn't have to do that. Fortunately for her, I think her style is very cool and very unique to her. So it's worked in her favor. But damn, that sucks. I, I This really got me down. This really got me down this week. I mean, I'm happy that people came to her defense, but I just don't understand what the difference is between Billie Eilish being shamed and Kim Kardashian being sh- and listen I'm not shedding a tear for Kim Kardashian like I I don't worship the ground that Kim K walks on quite like her demographic does if you had a business that you were passionate about then you would know what it takes to run a business but you don't but I think somebody who's pregnant and gains a lot of weight I mean that is just as much out of your control as somebody who's a teenager and has a growing, developing body. So that's, I mean, that's just some food for thought. I would love to hear your guys' opinions about this and your take on it, but that was kind of my take on it. I'm happy that we're not in the place that we were back in the mid-2000s when Britney Spears would gain 10 pounds and everybody would freak out and kind of forget that she was 
18, 19, 20 years old. So we are making progress in that way, but we need to expand, okay? People who are children and have developing, changing bodies don't just grow into adults and magically their bodies just fit whatever expectations have been laid out for them. It doesn't quite work like that. And yes, we have to have understanding for growing bodies, but we also should have understanding for body diversity as a whole. Adult women have different bodies from each other as well, and it's fucking fine. Okay, this is Emily in post. Forgive me if this sounds different than the rest of the recording. I wanted to add something that I was thinking about while editing this episode. Sometimes when I'm listening back, I think of something else and I think, damn it, I wish I said that on the pod. So I decided to tack it on. I admit my thoughts are a bit discombobulated at the moment. So I hope this all makes sense. But Billie Eilish's response to these paparazzi photos made me think more critically about something and I wanted to share it with all of you. I think one of the unfortunate things about being a woman is the lack of agency over your own body. And this carries over into so many parts of life. In the U.S., a woman's right to illegal abortion, the ability to be in charge of her own fertility is being threatened right now in a very real way. Women also have to walk down the street and potentially be subjected to verbal harassment from strange men. And we're also constantly being fed the same narrative from diet companies that were not desirable enough, which almost makes it worse when you're walking down the street, minding your P's and Q's, and you have to face a sea of creeps who just see you as a giant walking vagina. All of these things personally make me feel very disconnected to my body. I don't always feel like I have complete ownership over my own body because of all of these external factors at play, and it makes me want to disappear. And that was essentially the root of my eating disorder. It wasn't about wanting to be hot, quote unquote. It was about wanting to disappear. At times, I've wished that I didn't have a body, as strange as that may sound. I wish that I could walk this planet freely and go completely unnoticed and unjudged. And sometimes the easiest way to try to do that is to conform. For Billie Eilish, she said that she wears baggy clothes to cover up her body, not necessarily because she doesn't like her body, but because she doesn't want people to talk about it. Having a body can feel like being in prison. And granted, I've never been to prison, but go with me here. It's like being in prison in that your fate is predetermined and you don't have any control over it and you're stuck where you are once that fate is decided. Commenting on someone else's body locks them into a predetermined value based on their physical appearance, which they truly have no control over. That's why every time a fluff piece about some celebrity's weight loss or weight gain pops up, I feel desperate and sad and equally bad for them. Because whether we're saying something positive or negative about someone's body, we're ascribing a value to them that has nothing to do with the person. It's hard to feel like you're not even allowed to be a human, that no matter what you look like, people will always have something to say about it. 
That's what bothers me about this entire story is Billie Eilish felt she had to defend against body criticism by completely hiding her body. And in the end, she was proven completely right. And that's all I have to say about that. And now I'm going to read a listener email. This was an email that was sent to ripdiets at gmail.com. I encourage you guys, if you don't want to slide in my DMs or you already have and I haven't gotten to it, write to that email because I see things and I'm able to respond to things much more quickly than I can in the DMs. Um, Also, if you have a long message, it's easier to read it that way. So yeah, feel free to write to ripdiets at gmail.com with any uh, questions and comments. But this one is from a fine-ass bitch named Melissa. Dear Emily, I'm writing to thank you for smashing diet culture and building community through my new favorite podcast, RIP Diets. Though I had heard of intuitive eating, I admit that I was resistant to the idea. I also admit that I didn't believe my relationships with food, exercise, and my body needed healing. I started listening because I'm a fan of Hot Mess and I wanted to support your new project. Thank you so much. I did not expect RIP diets to be so personally resonant or so enjoyable. You are a skilled host and every episode is as entertaining as it is informative. Your humor, candor, and interviewing skills have me laughing as I learn. Like most people in our sexist, fatphobic, body shaming, toxically masculine culture, I grew up with and then internalized unhealthy messages. I relate both to your story and your sister's story. Shout out to a fellow Melissa, as well as Remy Casimir's, Andrea Allen's, and so many others. When I was a young child, my looks were praised and overemphasized, but it was the opposite when I started to develop. My parents treated my weight like a family emergency. As my body prepared for puberty, my mother, a nurse, sat me down and asked me to promise her I would never be fat. I was nine or 10 years old. I burst into tears and I tried to run away from her, but she wouldn't let me go until I said the words. Oh, that's horrible. Later, my mom would remind me, remember what you promised while I was eating. This contributed to years of suffering. When I confronted my mom about it more than 30 years later, all she could say was that her parents had done the same to her. I remembered then that my grandmother had taken diet pills prescribed by a doctor while pregnant with my mother's brother in the late 1950s. My grandfather's negative comments about his wife's weight certainly did not help. All that is to say, RIP Diets has made me realize that diet culture is more than a part of our society. It's a family affair. Let's get it in this dancery. I would love to hear more from your sister in a future episode. It also would be fascinating to hear from women of previous generations. Can we hear from older moms and grandmothers who rejected the valorization and dis- of disordered eating and overcame the notion that a woman's thinness correlates to her value as a person? Yes. Anybody who knows where I can find a guest like that, please direct me to that person. Um, she goes on to say she'd love to hear from more LGBTQ guests and more male guests. Yeah, I am working on it. I have a few male guests in mind. They are harder to find and it is, it's a more difficult conversation for me because I don't have that experience, but this will be happening in the near future. 
The peace and happiness you have found through intuitive eating has inspired me to try this approach myself. Like other listeners, I feared that relaxing my vigilance about eating and exercising would mean my body would change in ways I didn't like. In my experience, though, my body has remained about the same size. Even better, I'm no longer hungry all the time, and not thinking about food constantly means I can think about other things instead, like smashing the patriarchy, making art, and writing long emails to a favorite podcast. Thank you for RIP Diets. Sincerely, Melissa. Oh, Melissa, thank you so much for this email. It really lifted my spirits. I was having kind of a hard week last week and just all of these incredibly encouraging things that you said. God, I mean, I I have mental health struggles too, guys, and your kind words and just knowing that I'm playing a small part in helping other people recover from their trauma. It makes me feel so good inside and it makes me want to keep going. So thank you so much. I'm so deeply, deeply sorry for the experience that you had with your mother. That sounds nothing short of traumatizing. I I have spoken about, you know, my, my mom being kind of a problematic role model for me at times, but I will say she never sat me down and made me promise I would never be fat. I I cannot imagine what kind of fucked up thinking you would have around food after going through that. And I commend you for having a conversation with her about it as an adult because sometimes so many years go by and we think, oh, this person probably doesn't even remember this conversation that impacted me so much. Or even if she does, she's not going to see my side or she's going to say, why don't you just let it go? It's been 30 years for God's sake. And we need to have these conversations in order to recover ourselves. It's less about the other person and more about getting something off your chest so that you can now start to heal. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing to do. And even Melissa in this email, even she says that her mom gave the response you know, that's what my parents told me, which at the end of the day, that's really all these messages that we get from our parents are just things that they learned from their parents, which are things that they learned from their parents. So breaking the cycle is something that we need to focus on now. We can blame our parents all we want, but at a certain point, they're grown. They are the people that they are. They were influenced by the things that they were influenced by. They may never be as enlightened as we are, and that's okay. But breaking the cycle is so important because it means that our children won't have to go through the same thing and future generations will not feel so terrible about themselves all the time. So I really do commend you um, and I'm happy that this podcast resonates with you. I appreciate all the feedback. I appreciate the ideas for future topics and future guests. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to touch on today, which was brought up in the Facebook group. Guys, if you are not in the Facebook group, you are missing out. Somebody brought this up in the Facebook group a while back and it kind of sparked a thought in me like, oh, I should talk about this on the podcast. I get so many ideas from the Facebook group and from my DMs. So that's why I'm always telling you guys probably to an annoying amount to slide into my DMs and join the Facebook group because it, it helps me to know what you want to hear. But the topic was, Fear foods. And for anybody who hasn't heard this before, I ripped this definition off from the internet. Don't come for me. But fear foods 
also called challenge foods, are foods that you may feel afraid, anxious, or uncomfortable eating. The fear of a food may come from irrational thoughts about how it impacts your body or weight or from negative memories of a food. So I think it's fair to say anybody who's in recovery or who has struggled with disordered eating, we have fear foods. And it's not always logical. It's not necessarily a food that you like the most and therefore are afraid of overdoing because you like it so much. For example, loyal listeners know that I'm a sweets girl. I'm the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. My tooth is so sweet. If you dipped it in your milk, it would turn to ice cream. However, I would say that one of my biggest fear foods was and is and always has been cheese. I don't know why it's not even on like my top five favorite foods. I don't know why, but somewhere along the way, I got the idea in my head that cheese is something that I should eat as little as possible or it's not necessary or it's too much or it's too fatty. And for years and years and years, if I ordered a Greek salad or a Cobb salad or really any kind of salad with cheese on it, I would always ask for no cheese, which is unfortunate because... I mean, both those salads I just mentioned, the cheese is kind of the whole point. But yeah, I would ask for no cheese on sandwiches. Um, And if I got a bagel, I would get tofu cream cheese. And don't even get me started on that soybean trash. It just doesn't even hold a candle to the real thing. And um, yeah, I don't know why, but this is something I've had to push past in recovery thinking that I shouldn't eat cheese twice in one day or even once in one day if I could avoid it. The fact of the matter is the only way to get over your fear foods is to consume that food freely when you want, however much you want, and however often you want. It's similar to getting over any other kind of fear or phobia. You need to immerse yourself in what it is you're afraid of. And then each time when you don't die and you don't burst into flames, you build connections in your brain that makes you panic less and less and less because you know that if you do the thing or eat the thing, you'll be totally fine because every other time you've eaten it, you've been totally fine. So really repetition is the way to ease your anxiety about a food. It needs to be consistent. If you're having trouble getting started with this, let's say you're following intuitive eating and you're going through the steps and you completely get the concept of honoring your cravings and not labeling food with morals, but you still can't help it in the back of your mind. You have certain foods that you avoid or you don't want to overdo. I'm using that word in quotes. It's okay to take baby steps with this. For example, if you're like the old me and you're more comfortable taking the cheese off your salad, Today, leave the cheese on the salad. Eat it. Notice how you feel afterwards. If you're panicking that you ate the cheese, do some deep breathing. Focus your attention on something else. Maybe watch a TV show you like or read a book. Or if it's a work day, go back to work because you have no choice. But check in with yourself later in the day. Make sure you're not limiting your food later in the day or overcompensating or undercompensating because that's only going to discourage you in the future from eating the cheese. And the next day, 
you can see how you feel. I guarantee the next day you will see that nothing has changed and it's going to continue being easier and easier every single time. And, you know, similarly, your fear foods can be something that you really enjoy, but you have the notion that it's not healthy and and so you don't want to overdo it. And the perfect example for me would be ice cream. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, I used to go down the frozen food section and I would look at the ice cream and I would think, oh, it's such a big container and I know that I'm going to eat it all in one sitting. So I better not get that. I better get fruit instead or I better get yogurt or something. And it only made me want it more. And it meant that when I got to a breaking point and I needed ice cream, because sometimes you just need ice cream. You just need it. Okay. It's not a want. It's a need. I would go to the bodega, get a big container of ice cream and I'd eat the whole thing. And zero judgment, I was setting myself up for that behavior. And I don't think there's anything wrong with eating the whole pint of ice cream. But the reason I was doing it was because I was restricting it for so long that I couldn't handle having that much freedom right in the palm of my hand. And I couldn't stop myself. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't stop myself. So the way to combat this and to have an overall healthy relationship with foods that you're afraid of is to allow yourself to eat them whenever. Does that mean that you might eat a little more than you want to at first? Yes, you might. But that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Just continue to do it. Try not to guilt yourself for it. And like I said, if you are guilting yourself or panicking, deep breathing really helps. What I like to do is a closed mouth deep breath. So through the nose, you take a deep breath for three whole seconds and then out also through the nose for three whole seconds. And notice the feeling of the air on, fuck, I forgot the name of this, but it's the area right over the lip I should have looked this up before, but I didn't know I would be talking about this. Area over the lip. The philtrum. Oh, I love the internet. Focus on the feeling of the breath going out the nose and over the philtrum. And if you just focus on that and maybe take, you know, five breaths in and out, counting up to three each time, you will feel so much better. And I struggle with anxiety. This has been such a game changer for me and my anxiety. Um, So yeah, I would encourage you to do that. And that's all we're going to talk about for today. I'm keeping the solo apps short and digestible. I know that it's difficult to hear one person talking for an hour straight. So I will be keeping the solo episodes fairly shorter. But I'm going to make sure that everything is consistent from now until the end of the season. So For the next five weeks after today, we will have a weekly episode on Friday as usual. And then after that, we're taking a five-week break. I encourage you to join the Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash RIP diets. And you will have access to exclusive content that no one else will be able to hear unless they are also on Patreon. And it's a great way, and this is going to be a, a great way to keep the podcast going and make sure that I'm able to keep up with it and that I can invest money back into the podcast to make it even better. 
Thank you so much, guys. I hope you have a fabulous week. Keep sliding into my DMs. I am Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram or email ripdiets at gmail.com with your questions, comments, just say, hey, whatever you want. I love hearing from you guys. Over and out.